is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again, and listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. Hey, it's Eric Mona from Paizo Publishing, and you're in tune to the Tome. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 233, we're going to learn more about conventions, what to expect, what goes into organizing them. To give us some insight, we have Christy Crabb joining us. But before we get into cons, let's remind everybody about our sponsor, Noble Knight, a brick-and-mortar game store and an online game store which specializes in finding out-of-print game books or products. If you're looking for something that hasn't existed for a long time, Noble Knight can probably find it to you, or if you've got way more stuff than you can handle... They'll, they'll probably take it off your hands. Hello! Hello, citizens! Oh, thank goodness! Adventurers! We need a noble knight! Perhaps you can slay the beast of retail and reap the promises of riches. Riches? Yes! Great prices, out-of-print games, the latest releases, and a magic box that converts all of your old loot into cash or new loot. But why? Fantastic! I'll do it! Yes, well, you see the beast he kidnapped the mayor and can only be slain by the most noble of knights. Yes, yes, yes. I said I'll do it. Yes, the thing is, I was talking to her. What? Fear not, kind citizen. The noble knight will save the day, rescue the lord in distress, and liberate all that loot anyway only possible at Noble Knight. If you'd like to get your hands on Noble Knight's loot, head over to thetomeshow.com and click on the link in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget to tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Ha, I got to do something to help out. So, welcome to the show, Christy. Um, thank you. Good to be here. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> oh, no problem. We, we were recently talking, uh, so we're going to talk about conventions tonight, and you and I were recently at a con where we did a bunch of panels together. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was perfect to, uh, with the big conventions season coming up, that it would be a good time to talk a little bit about uh, what people can expect from cons, uh, when things go wrong, what to do, and all that good stuff. Okay. Can, can we start by getting a little bit of your experience with cons? Um, sure. Um, I think about four years ago now, I joined the board of um, the Carnage Convention in Vermont. Um, and uh, I pretty quickly became um, the co-leader for the role-playing game section for that. Um, and as part of, uh, part of that position, I go to a few other cons um, in New England each year as well. 
Okay, so you're a con goer as well as a con organizer. So you have different perspectives <laughs> of, as about cons. Yep. And I actually don't um, game master at cons, so that's sort of different for most of the other folks that on my board. Hmm. You just play in awesome games. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Only in the so, awesome you know, games. I'm out there trying to recruit more GMs and players when I'm not at my own con, that sort of thing. Right on. Uh, so w- why did you start going to conventions? Um, actually, it was... I had, you know, my two little kids and my youngest had just turned four and I couldn't, like I was, I was only meeting people who mostly only talked about their children's after school activities. <laughs> 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 I needed to do something else. <laughs> so it had been like, you know, years and years and years since I played in any role playing games. Um, and I was just thinking back, oh, what, you know, what used to be an interesting hobby. Oh, that was cool. Um, let's see if people still do that. And um, I got onto this website where there were other role-playing game people and met uh, Dr. Nick, who's in my area, lives in my area, and he saw that I was an event manager at Dartmouth College um, and thought that would be, you know, great to have me get onto the board for Carnage. So that was sort of interesting that that was my, really my reintroduction to um, gaming. Right. <laughs> Welcome back to gaming. Run a convention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I jump, jumped right in. So, <laughs> so, you know, Nick had his ongoing campaign that I was in, and then um, I went to my first Carnage convention and joined the board pretty soon after that. Awesome. And so uh, you were able to use your event planning expertise with the convention, too? Um, yeah, I think that's definitely helped. Great. I want. I want to go back. Uh, you said that you had kids, and that's what led you to want to get in, get look into gaming and cons and all that kind of stuff. So, g- give me a, a, some tips on how to how to attend cons when you have young children. Oh well, you need to have. Uh, <laughs> in my case, you need a spouse who doesn't game. Ah, <laughs> see, that's how I do it too. <laughs> uh huh. Very handy. It may be quite a curiosity, though, because I think um, I, I don't think it's all that often that women go by themselves. Right. Um, although I think that's happening more and more often now. Mm-hmm. I would sometimes go to cons by myself, and it was even more difficult to sometimes find housing unless I oh yeah unless there was someone I really knew. Uh, and I yeah. know there were so few of us who were GMing because a lot of them, I went with the RPGA and got housing through them. And because there were so few women, we often had more people per room because mm-hmm. there wasn't mm-hmm. quite enough to spring for the extra room. Oh yeah. So put us in two instead of three sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was kind of annoying for me actually. Cause, um, the guys would always room together and I'd have my own room, but I'd have to pay for half of it where they, they were never, Paying for any part of their room. <laughs> that was kind of irritating, but um, I ended up finding a couple of guys I could trust to share a room with, so I do that now. Awesome. Do Carnage, don't you do some stuff too with kids? I thought I thought you said you had kids, your kids oh, were playing. My daughter does GM um, at Carnage on the Saturday afternoon slot, and my husband actually brings her to do that. Great. Because, I mean, really, this was sort of my. It's my time to get away and be by be by myself. So right. I really right. want to be at a con and both doing my job and taking care of my mm-hmm. daughter. Oh yeah, 
I love my family and my children, but it, it is uh, a special event when I get to disappear to a con for for a long weekend or whatever once a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's worked um, pretty well with uh, Fred. Cause, like, we don't have kids, um, but Fred often goes with me to a lot of conventions, and it's worked pretty well. I was a little afraid of that at first, of trying to keep him uh, entertained and stuff, but I mean, he likes the game, so it's not so bad. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of people really like to bring bring their children along. So you know, we've got plenty of kids' games at Carnage, and there's a lot at Total Con, too, I know. So that works for some people, it's like their special time to hang out with their kids a lot. Yeah, and I think some conventions now are also offering like childcare and oh, nice. like, um, like babysitting, and then uh, sometimes setting up special areas. Like if you're a mother who's nursing, that you'll have some place to go. Oh, nice! That's a so, good idea. Mm-hmm. I think those help a lot. And I noticed too, like there's a lot of women who seem to be inter- uh, in part of the planning for the conventions, but don't necessarily get a, a lot of n- notoriety for doing that. Cause when we had the panel on, uh, women in gaming mm-hmm. at total con, like, I think all of you guys pretty much worked on conventions. I was like the only one who didn't, it felt like, Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's right. I think that was, that might've just been a coincidence, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, but I actually think that there's probably a lot more than, than, uh, gets talked about just because, uh, sometimes there might be incidents of special skills or just two spouses will do it together sort of thing. So imagine like somebody's uh, who's listening might be a first time con goer. What, what tips or advice could you give them on sort of surviving the con? Let's see. Um, well, it's helpful to, to bring some of your own food so, as, so that you're not spending a ton of money uh, eating out all the time. Uh, making sure that you're eating food is is a good step for some people, right? Yeah, it's I don't old, know anything about that. The old the old what three two one rule? That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh, three, three hours of sleep. Three, what is it? Three hours yep. of sleep, two meals a day, and at least one shower. Yeah. Exactly. Very important. <laughs> um, Fred's main job is to keep me fed. Fed. Cons. Yep. Comfortable shoes. Mm-hmm. Not that I usually follow that one, but <laughs> oh yeah, because as much um, as as much as you're thinking you're going to be you know at the convention center the whole time and you're not going to be running around a lot, you're going to be running around a lot at a con. Yeah, so at least bring comfortable shoes mm-hmm. with you. Um, yeah, be sure to bring your pencils and dice and notebook paper. Um, the advice I really like to give is just try out a lot of different GMs and a lot of systems that you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. try out. Cons are a great chance to sort of get outside of your normal uh, frame of reference, you know, and get out and try something new. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think um, a lot of people who are new to cons feel like they're supposed to be, you know, know everything and be really good at something in order to join a game. And that's really not the case. Um, usually the GM will expect that you that you don't actually know the system yet. Yeah. Um, and they're there to, to teach it to you. Yeah, and I think most GMs are usually pretty happy to to introduce somebody to to their favorite system, you know. So absolutely. Um, and then the, the other people at the table, if I don't know stuff and they do, they're always happy to mm. you know fill me in on something if the GM's busy and stuff like that too. So it's mm. not. I don't find it to be. It, it wasn't nearly intimidating and intimidating to me as I thought it would be. 
um, mm-hmm. the first time I went to one. I would also give the advice to um, prepare yourself for the fact that you're not going to be able to see and do everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think the first time, few times I went to a con, especially big cons, right? I, I had this impression that I was going to get out there and I was going to do all this stuff and see all this stuff. And it was gonna, I was going to really just take the whole thing in. And I walked away very disappointed because I didn't feel like I did anything very well. You know, so, but it was just a matter of managing my expectations, right? Yeah. Once I sort of knew what to expect from from these kinds of cons, and it's like, oh, well, now I know what to do and how to do it, and what to miss out on, and what not to miss out on, and what my thing is, you know, and not have to mm-hmm. worry about the other things. Exactly. Yeah, and I think one of the things too is sometimes cons are just good for hanging out. Uh, mm-hmm. for- yeah. Half the reason I go to Gen Con every year is just so I can see Tracy. All right. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been uh, kind of referencing Gen Con is and and other cons can be kind of like the geek version of the weddings and funerals thing, where like you only see each other Once during certain right. big events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's because like um you know most of my friends are neighbors and con goers these days, and you know you just know which cons you're going to see them at, and yeah. Look forward to that. Although there's a lot of people that, I mean, don't feel like they're necessarily going to a con with other people they know. And, and I don't think they should necessarily feel intimidated by that either. It's okay to go to a con when you don't know people and still, you know, get out there and, and, and put yourself out and, and try and just to try new things and to play games. Because, I mean, exactly. that's, that's what a gaming con's about, right? Yeah. You go and to enough of them, you'll make friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Um Interesting for me because I'm usually, uh, again, pretty intimidated by large crowds of people and people I don't know. Um, but people are really friendly. You know, the, when I went to my first couple of cons, I just felt like I fit in. People were interested in talking to me. Um, they sort of talked in the same way that I do. So it just felt really comfortable. And it, it wasn't hard. You know, you get, you get to meet people really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, uh, the other thing, too, because you were talking about a lot of GMs are, well, are are totally set up to introduce new people to a game. Uh, the other thing that happens at a lot of cons are demos from yeah. companies. Uh, so that's a great way, too, because you'll have someone who's uh, trained in it and pretty much expects that people wouldn't have played the game before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and uh, depending on the con you're at, right? A lot of cons, you you have to buy tickets or tokens or whatever to pay to get into to organize games. Uh, but demos, of course, you don't. Uh, it's a great way to, to try out games and not have to you know do it on a on a budget, so to speak. Um, right. be- because that way, you know, the whole point is they're they're trying to give you that experience of a game to see if you're interested in buying it, right? So it's it's yeah. it, it is a sales tactic, but but it's also you <laughs> get you get the test out of game, and there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly, yeah, and it's neat seeing all the new things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, there's another piece of advice I would give is um, so I, signing up for games. Um, it's usually a good idea to you know sign up as quickly as possible, especially if you know that there's mm-hmm. you know certain game masters that you really want to game with or games that you think are going to be very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So we, we've definitely found that there's a couple of folks at Archon that you really you have to send in your sign-up form the day it comes out mm-hmm. if you want to get into their game. And well, I know that's similar at some other places. So it's good to, you know, if you can, if they, if they let you um, look at the games before sign-up start, definitely do that and plan everything out and be ready to send it yeah. right in. Well, at CarnageCon, isn't there the one guy that does, like, he has lights and... Yeah, that's Andre Krupa. yeah. So he has role-playing games with a, um, you know, a theater lighting setup and, um, a, you know, a soundtrack that he um, 
you know, sound cues and everything. So wow. that's quite an experience, but he mm-hmm. fills up fast. Sure. Uh, he's a yeah. total con also. Oh, nice. Yeah, I do wonder sometimes if the, the local conventions versus something like Gen Con, like the, at Gen Con, they don't have the space for that, where I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. um, area conventions are more likely to be able to set up a space for it. Mm-hmm. I think Gen Con was willing to set up one, uh, but something, oh, he got really sick that year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but there's also um, security issues when you have that kind of, that much lighting equipment around. Yeah. So you yeah. want to really make sure that you know who's going to be around there well enough so that you know you're going to be able to lock that room and unlock it again when you need it. Sure. A um, little more planning for that than some of the other things. Right on. So we've talked about what, what sort of a new con-goer might want to consider or advice, but what about the experienced con-goer? As uh, an experienced con-goer yourself, but also as a con-organizer, you might have some insights as to uh, what the experienced con-goer is doing wrong that we could do better. You know, I haven't thought about that before. You know, probably, again, just try to try to get enough sleep. <laughs> I think if you've been going a long time, you know a ton of people, and uh, plenty of us tend to stay up a little too late. Um, so you don't have to be there till the very end of the party. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I almost want to say, particularly if it's a four-day convention or something like that, that getting off site just even for half an hour might be a good thing. Yeah. Think like, remind yourself Step outside a... where the sun is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I tend to get I tend to start feeling really cooped up at Gen Con because I just sit in one room the entire con and, and hit record to, to record seminars, right? So Oh wow. Um I, I feel really cooped up and then I finally get out, it's like ah dinner time. <laughs> I can <laughs> wander around and see feel the air and that's so funny because that was pretty much the opposite of my experience the one year I went to Gen Con. I was yeah. just feeling like I was walking very long distances about the about the city to get to my various right. games. Yeah. Well, that was part of me managing expectations, right? I knew I couldn't do everything right. well, so, so I picked one thing. I'm going to be going and I'm going to do this really well and I'm going to podcast and, and record. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think for me sometimes uh, Gen Con triggers my anxiety. And since Fred's a huge uh, car racing fan, we'll go over to the... Uh, speedway mm-hmm. uh and it's like only an hour or two but it helps reset me so that i'm not like i don't feel uh connect like uh, i don't know it helps, it. You, it helps you yeah. unwind and not be so overwhelmed by it all yeah just that escape of not being you know it's just i mean and that's true of a lot of environments, right? Whether it's a, it's a con or, you know, I went to India this last summer, right? And every now and then it's just, you know what? I want to go back to my hotel room and sit and do nothing for like an hour. And then, yeah. I'll, be, and then I'll be ready to go out and, and, and face the, the insanity again, right? Yeah. Gin Con or, or you know, uh, Bombay. It's all about the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Self-care and like and recharging your batteries and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Don't want to be that person that's just staring there. <laughs> <laughs> or not being able to talk to your friends. Yeah. Like that. Definitely take care of yourself. And yeah. speaking of which, uh, friends at the con. So, so, so let's say you're, you, you know people that are going to be at the con. Uh, what can be done to sort of facilitate communication and organization with you know, the disparate people you want to meet up with that are running all over the place? I think um, with the folks that I've been hanging out with recently, there's sort of two sets of people who are sort of the nexus of that group. So I guess everybody just knows that. And 
know who, run into one or the other and know who the ringleaders are. Yeah. yeah. So really knowing who the ringleaders are. Um, I remember before that, I would make a pretty good effort to um, get cell phone numbers of the people I was most likely to want to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd just make sure I had those programmed into my um, phone beforehand. Mm-hmm. Which brings up another uh, bit of advice that I would have is have battery chargers for your phone. Yes. Oh, Very important. Because I never use my phone more, and I use my phone a lot, and I never use my phone more than when I'm at a con. Because mm-hmm. and, and, and in fact, I my my Twitter usage in life has, has significantly declined in recent years uh, as life has gotten different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm at, at a con, I'm twi- I'm using Twitter constantly, you know, reaching out to people saying, "Hey, who's where, and, and who wants to get together for this, and, and all kinds of stuff, right?" Yeah. Um, so having my phone and having my phone charged is is an essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought a um, an external battery for that has a USB port, so that you could recharge the phone off the battery. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Which helps a lot. Yeah. Because my phone constantly dies now at, at cons. Yeah. <laughs> well, and sometimes you never know, right? Uh, some pl- you end up in some rooms. Even if your coverage is good, you end up in one room and something's not good. And so your phone's constantly roaming and it just eats up that battery. And you, you never knew that was going to happen. So just be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is a lot of times, depending on the size of the convention, uh, the local network, including the cellular network, can get overloaded. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I go to PAX, I can't even guarantee that my phone is going to work. Yeah. Mm. We, we do our best, but, uh, but yeah, sometimes it takes a while to send a text message or uh, Twitter is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember I, I had some phone issues when I was at Gen Con. Actually, a lot of it was just that you couldn't hear somebody else talking on it. Because it's so loud, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I actually don't have a smartphone, so I ended oh. up, you know, texting on my old-fashioned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you have to press a button four times in order to get to the right letter phone. Mm-hmm. That was a pain. I found that that at cons, text-based messaging is is essential. You know? Yeah, I've even I've even been sitting in panels and had people in the back of the room texting me to, to the front to see what's going on afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And, and just being yeah. able to do that and not interrupt things, but also be able to, to communicate with people, you know, on the exhibit floor. Hey, I'm over by this booth. Where are you at? Oh, I'm over at that booth. OK, well, let's meet up over here at that booth. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. The, the ones that I go to in New England aren't quite so big so you know thinking of gen con um another another thing i'd recommend is um you know dress in some layers so that when you're outside you can be sleeveless and when you're inside you have a little sweater because some of those places are highly air conditioned <laughs> <laughs> yes i was thinking about wearing a tux this year to gen con oh cool <laughs> just you know bring some class to the place all right. <laughs> of course, then I'm going to be one of those smelly gamers, right? Because <laughs> then I'll be, be sweating wearing a tux. Wear deodorant. That's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> gamers, oh, yeah. gamers are known for a funk. Let's put it into that stereotype. Yeah. I, I don't have a great sense of smell, so I actually haven't usually noticed any issues. But I know other people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, us- I usually don't smell smell that well either like like smelling people well mm-hmm. i find it's usually not that bad but when yeah. it's bad it's it's very yeah. notable you know yeah so uh speaking of unpleasant experiences like let's say you did find someone who just was 
totally unbearable. What should you do? Um, just I would go to the go to the nearest um, convention staffer. Okay. So that's that's what they're there for to handle problems. Okay. So not necessarily somebody who hasn't showered, but if somebody's you know right. attitude or behavior or whatever is pro- is making you uncomfortable or isn't acceptable or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it's in a game, um, you could always maybe um, take the GM aside to see if the GM would rather be the person to help solve that issue, sure. and then otherwise go to the um, go to the staffer. I don't think the GM should have to be the person to solve you know particular mm-hmm. problems with folks. So I guess just think that one through whether it's better to talk to the GM or at least when yeah. you're talking to the GM, yeah. make sure that they know that you're saying. Would you rather, or would you rather I go to a staffer? Right, and that's and that's. I mean, and I mean, like I could see a situation where things are happening in character in a game, and you just sort of let the GM or even let the table know. In some cases, I, I find gamers to be generally very reasonable and and awesome people, right? So if I were to yeah. be sitting in a game and somebody said, "Hey, I'm not really comfortable with the direction the game is going," I would sort of accept that and, and try to move things in a different direction. You know, yeah. I think I think a lot of people would. Yeah. Definitely speak up. So I think, yeah, I think just don't be intimidated by it and, and be clear about what's going on. And then if things don't improve or whatever, then you can consider um, saying something to somebody. Now, would you say that it's it would be advisable to, if, if you're in a situation like that where you're not comfortable with the way the game is going, to, to just step out of the game? Or should you say something in order to try to avoid this being a problem for people, other people in the future? Oh, gosh. So um, I'm not so sure. I mean, again, I'd probably tend to, um, you know, talk to the GM about it. Um, but if it still wasn't working, I guess I've been at games before where um, I'd really overdone it the night before and I would get kind of sick feeling. Mm-hmm. So I, I have stepped out of games a couple of times, um, just like twice, just because I wasn't feeling like I could hold up my end of the, of the game. Um, and people didn't didn't really get bent out of shape about that. Um, I don't know what's the best thing to do if you don't like the direction the game's going. Okay. Yeah, it can be really difficult. Uh, I'm Parts of it sometimes are just... Because sometimes the games are four-hour blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, making... Not saying anything and then having everybody kind of be in that fear of, is it just me? Or mm. uh, can really be a downer because <laughs> yeah. we i had the the one game where somebody sat at my table and i was jamming and uh it wasn't going well and i really should have just stopped the game and uh probably because i did try to address it to the person during the game and it just wasn't going anywhere i probably should have talked to to staff because uh afterwards i was thinking about it uh and i was like man i probably ruined four or five other people's day by allowing Aww. it to just continue. So, well, I think it's the other person who did that. <laughs> well, yeah, but, well, but, but, yeah. Not, but letting it continue and not actually doing anything about it. Addressing it, yeah. yeah I mean, I think GMs are in a hard position because they really feel like, you know, they're trying to make the game the best it can be for everyone. Um, and it's not, it's not that cool to, you know, just make somebody leave or whatever. But at the same time, if it is, if one person's really being a problem, um, and you can tell that it's a problem for the other players, 
then definitely I think that's time to do something, you know, just be very firm with the person. And if that isn't working, then again, um, I think the staffer, if the person's really being really, really difficult, then a staffer should come and talk to them. So what, let's take take this from the perspective of the DM then. Uh, say you're a DM and somebody's concerned that about you know somebody's behavior at the table or or what have you. Um, how, how should you handle that? Um, again, I'm not a GM, but I would tend to. And what I've seen some GMs do is just be pretty blunt about you know, hey, you need to you know, not do that, or um, what I said is really the rule. Um, you need to uh, follow that or else you're going to need to find another game. Okay. Um, but, yeah, for for the folks that I've seen who tend to kind of cause problems, it seems like real bluntness works best with them. Right. Um, oh, it's is it best to take a stick up, maybe the GM to take them aside first? I don't know. It depends on the situation. Yeah, because, I mean, sometimes the the GM won't necessarily feel confident enough, although yeah, it takes a fair amount of confidence just to GM at a game, at a convention. But, but yeah, exactly. it, it can be kind of difficult, particularly if the person's, like, belligerent or... Mm-hmm. Um, or stuff like that. But, yeah, if, if you can, taking them aside is probably better because then they're not... Because part of the whole... Uh, discussion can kind of be the losing face in right. front of everyone. So right. if you can d- diminish that possibility, it probably uh, help a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, you know, I myself, I don't think I do a great job at just being blunt with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I was I was raised Minnesota polite. I think that would intimidate me needing to do that. Right. So some people are much more comfortable than others. Yeah. Northeasterners, like some people I know, don't have a problem with it, right? <laughs> I'm usually very overly polite, but <laughs> well, but at least for the Northeast, unless unless there's something else going on, yeah. Right. Um, so you run the our, you help run the our, the role playing game side, right? There's um, there's two of us who run that, and then there's uh, another couple of folks who um, pitch in too. So I hear a lot of conventions are always looking for GMs. Is that true? Um, we've we've managed to do a really good job, I think, of keeping keeping up the numbers to where we want them to be. Right. Um, enough that I'm not as actively recruiting new people, although I usually right. am. Right. So if you wanted to do it for, like, be, be a GM at a convention for the first time or so, how, how would somebody go about doing that? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, most most conventions are definitely want more GMs. We'll welcome them. We will, too. It's not, it's not like, we're, for RPGs anyways, we're sort of, like, right at the good numbers. So we're not turning right. people away or anything. Mm. But anyways, um, yeah, if you um, know somebody, obviously, just ask them, but it's really easy just go to the website um find out the contact information on the website and send an email um i'm interested in gming and uh and usually somebody will get right back to you now are the, typically do you like i know d- depending on the con there are different groups that organize 
games, right? If you're at, at a con that has like an RPGA presence, then the RPGA will sometimes organize uh, different games and whatever. Um, so is it sometimes better to find a group and, and go through them or contact the organization or the, the con or go to contact the con and they'll, you know, will they hook, hook you up with a group if that's what uh, is needed or whatever? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I can only talk about Carnage, but sure. um, if there was a role-playing person who wanted to do something with RPGA or with the Pathfinder Society mm-hmm. um, and they contacted me and said they were interested in that, then, I, you know, I know the people to hook them up with and, and I just go ahead and do that right away. Okay. So typically, if somebody wants to to run a game at a con, are they bringing their own material, or are there, there are going to be things there for them to run, or how's that going to work? Um, as far as RPGs go, you're bringing your own material. Okay. Um, unless I don't exactly know how that works with Pathfinder Society and um, RPGA. RPGA, sure. So I think there's some more um, sharing of material for those, but I, I'm not ab- absolutely positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I ran uh, the D&D Next games, uh, I brought everything myself. Yeah. The the rules, the everything I needed to play, extra dice. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like most GMs usually have some extra dice and um the other things they need for the game, obviously. Right. Or if if they don't have extra dice and other players going to <laughs> And, and, try to bring your own dice. And, 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 and the soundtrack and a lighting system, because every DM needs that, right? <laughs> Could you imagine a gaming hall where every DM had that going on? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It would all have to be like an individual hotel rooms or something. <laughs> yeah. When, when I've run a cons, I've, I've kept a, a fairly small. I've tried to keep a fairly small pack, right? So I'll I'll have some a couple of prepared maps on big sheets of paper that I'll sort of fold up and stick in the backpack, and then, uh, you know a box of dice and a, and a handful of minis that I think might be useful and, and try to sort of minimize what I, what I bring. I don't want to lug a bunch of books to the table and that kind of stuff if I can help it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because like you never everybody know. Everybody what... likes to do something different. Some people haul yeah. around a, you know, a rolling suitcase full of stuff and some people barely have anything. Yeah. But I think that, I think that's good for people to know too. I mean, you can DM without going to the extravagant lengths, right? Put together a simple, oh. a simple, uh, you know, four or five encounter advent- adventure. Absolutely. You know, some good role playing opportunity to show off the system of the game that you're running. Bananagrams. I use bananagrams <laughs> instead of minis because they're all the letters. So now you're fighting the letter E. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's one of the things that I think is really fun about going to a con is that if you're making an effort to do uh, games by different GMs and different systems, you'll you'll get everything from um, and and the GMs can be just as good no matter sort of which level of stuff they bring with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get the person who's really minimal in terms of stuff, but is really energetic and really knows how to take the story off on whatever tangent the players end up going with. And then there's the folks who are very, very prepared and there's all sorts of neat things um, going on in that game. Um, and then you've got the guy with the full lighting system, <laughs> yeah. which adds a, you know, another kind of mood to it. Um, but really, each one of those games are, are really good in their own way, I would say. Yeah, and I don't want people to go to to all of their cons and look for the guy with the full lighting system. I've never seen that before. So. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty unusual. Yeah. Um, and it, it would be actually really difficult for the con organizers if tons of people were trying to do that. Sure. 
I mean, I imagine there's got to be some accommodations just for the one guy who's doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, he needs, a, you know, like five hours for setup, five hours for breakdown. But there's a lot involved in that. Wow. Um, you know, definitely uh, pretty great experience in those games. Yeah. Um, but that is that is not the norm. GMs do not have to do that. <laughs> So if you wanted to, to run a game for the first time at a con, what's a good way to do that? Do you think going through a, an organized play sort of program is, is a good starting point? Or do you think do something on your own that you're comfortable with? Or, or what do you think? I, d- I do something that do what, do what you love. Okay. Do the system you're most interested in running. Um, it's a good idea. I know a lot of GMs try to run some test sessions of the game beforehand. There's others who don't. Yeah. Um, so, um, but that can be really helpful to have have run a couple of um, trials of the game before you show up. Um, and I know even the RPGA often does a they ask you to run it before you go there, like a slot zero type of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because won't they sometimes even like the night before or the morning that everything starts and the organized play stuff? Sometimes they'll actually have you sit down and play it with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, particularly the longer uh, modules, uh, they'll, they'll, we didn't have to do it too often with the learn to play stuff because um, for a while they were just doing red box, right? And most of us had already seen it before, so that wasn't a big deal. But some of the um, living forgotten realms stuff was a little more intricate to sure. actually run through, so it helped if they ran if they played it or ran it before. That makes sense. See, as a player with organized play, it definitely has looked to me like, you know, um, they'll advertise certain games, and I think those usually are what goes on, but it also seems like there's an awful lot of fluidity, too. So if you... It seems like you can arrive and they're sort of trying to fit, fit everybody into whatever games are probably going to be best for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, so they, they often do, like, the learn-to-plays, and then they do uh, delves a lot, too, which are about an hour, and it's mm. you against the DM a little bit more. Okay. Uh, so the, the the DM really runs the monsters, and it's intended that not everyone's going to survive. And if if the whole party does, they get usually, often they get special uh, extra points, oh. and the more po- the more points you collect over the weekend, the you get prizes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, although some of that organized play stuff is sort of, uh, especially at least in the from Watsi has sort of um, diminished, I think, in the last few years. Um, yeah. But but I think that's largely been because they've been gearing up for the new edition, right? So right, um, we might we might be seeing a new um, resurgence uh, in terms of D and D at the conventions in the, in this coming con season. I hope. Yeah, I'm crossing my fingers for that. Um. Yeah. It'll be awesome because then there'll be. Hopefully there'll be more support and people talking about how to run D and D next mm-hmm. uh, in con settings yeah. and everything, because it's definitely a game that tries to be more into the story and everything, which is uh, great. But sometimes can be kind of hard to put together at a con where you have strangers at the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One thing that I've found seems to be pretty helpful um, 
for GMs at conventions is um, having pre-generated characters can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because um, then you can get the game started right away. Um, but I know there's some people who really, you know, feel pretty strongly that they want to teach the, the new players how to make a character. So it's not something you absolutely have to do. But it can be really helpful. Yeah, as but a you, player, but, I find it tremendously helpful. But if you're going to do that as a DM, you would need to account for the fact that that's going to take a significant portion of time, which means you're going to have a lot less playtime. Right, exactly. So, you know, I you think get a lot more playtime if you have pre-jumps. One of the first um, con games in my adult life was um, at Origins, I think in like 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat down for a Call of Cthulhu game, not quite knowing what to expect. I mean, I played some Call of Cthulhu, and so I kind of expected it to be Call of Cthulhu, right? Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being something very different where our character generation was... Um, the GM threw a bunch of toys out in the middle of the of the play play mat and said, "All right, everybody, everybody, pick a toy." And we all picked a toy, and and that was our character. We were reanimated toys running around trying to do things, and we were each able to sort of, okay, now tell me one power that your toy character has, right? And so you know, and then the the big bad guy at the end was a big plush uh, Cthulhu toy, you know. So. That's awesome. It was pretty pretty crazy, but but at the same time, completely defied my expectations. Like I had no idea that's what I was getting into. So it it, it did sort of throw me off for a little bit, just because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. So, so maybe that's advice, right? Make sure that when you register to to run a game, that you make it clear in your description what what people are going to be getting into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As yeah. A, at the same time, as a player, be open to the new stuff. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, there there was a game Dread that I hadn't heard of before, and mm-hmm. they they used. Uh, is it like a Jenga tower in it? <laughs> and I thought that sounded really weird, so I wasn't going to play. Um, but then the game I wanted to be in wasn't running, and a friend of mine was sort of sitting there very lonely at the dread table. <laughs> I think with one other person at the GM, and it looked like they really needed more people. And I know um, he really wanted to play, so I went over and played it anyways, and that was really a tremendously fabulous game. I had so much fun. Yeah, I, I know very little about Dread, but but I but it's sort of crossed my radar. Like the the name is familiar to me. So yeah, well, um, basically it was a you know a horror game, and um, part of what was creating the tension along with the story was that uh, let's see what was it if you if you wanted to you know do a particular kind of action, you need to take out one of the one of Jenga the files, yeah. right? So um, it it sort of physically brought that tension into the game sure you'd be you know the first ones would be easy and then as the game went along it would get harder and harder and you'd get kind of stressed out about um and anxious about the the jenga thing at the same time that your you know character was getting into a more and more horrific situation right um yeah i actually found that one really quite fascinating that's a, that's a fun mechanic yeah um, yeah, not nearly as silly as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was glad I had that experience. I also, I also love at conventions that so many times people are trying new things. Like it's not just that people do different uh, do things differently at their home tables and then bring that to the convention, but they, uh, particularly if they've played something with their home group that they really like, but they're wondering if there's a bigger uh, market or just community for it uh they'll they'll try it out at conventions and that's really awesome too mm. and i find yeah. i play differently at 
at convention games as a player than I do at uh, at home games, right? Because home games, I'm I'm generally very invested in it. I'm playing with people who know me and that I'm going to see week after week. Uh, but at con games, I feel like that's a you know where where some people go, get nervous and sit down at con games and sort of go into their shell. I sit down at a con game. It's like, hey, sweet, I can go crazy. And these people will never see me again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, definitely. I think it seems a lot more conducive to risk-taking. And then also risk-taking with your character because it's not, you know, that character's, unless you're playing in, um, you know, one of the organized organized play play games, you're probably never going to use that character again. So uh, you're not as invested in making sure they stay alive. You could take more risks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Although there are people who carry around their characters, it's really awesome they they've leveled them all the way up mm-hmm. and they so it's like it's a good mix yeah. i know i know one guy that sat on my table really wanted to play his character but it was like a third edition character i was like this is D next i can't i can't translate it right. <laughs> and it's higher level so i was just trying to offer suggestions of like you know things that he we could bring from his character and have it fit in D next mm-hmm. without it being overpowered yeah that worked okay. Yeah. So I, I remember you telling me about that before. It sounded like he was pretty invested. Yeah. Yeah. He only <laughs> played one character. Ever? I don't know, but it felt like it. Okay, so here's my advice to all gamers who might be listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just play one character ever. You know, people who tell me that I've only ever played spellcasters, or I've only ever played fighters, or in this case, I've only ever played one character. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that. Like, go go try something new. Yeah, variety well, is the spice of life. Well, yeah. and it was one of the cases where I felt bad because the like, guy really liked this character and. He liked the fact that he had all these magic items mm-hmm. attached to it, and it just didn't Which work. Could totally break the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and so I was like, no, you don't have those. Think of this as a younger version of your character. Yeah. <laughs> Before yeah. you had all those things, but yeah. So so yeah. So sometimes the DM needs it could it could help a lot if the DM's a little more flexible with, you know, I don't care. Well, so I have the players. Everybody right. should be flexible at a con. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, and you can do things like, you know, particularly because they're, they're not going to be... the Unless you're playing in uh, an organized play where the character needs to be legal because it can live on after mm-hmm. this game, uh, you don't have to worry quite so much as long as you're not uh, taking away the rest of the table's fun about right. it being a legal character. If somebody right. wants to do something, you know, you, you can... Uh, agree and then have um, just an agreement yep. that if it starts becoming unfun that they'll have to cut it back. Mm. Yeah. And don't so don't use that abuse that to then trick the DM later and be like, ha ha ha, I can get through all your traps because I have this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean at the same time if you're um like if you're really nervous at your first con and, and you have the opportunity to you know, make your character or whatever. I don't think it's a, a terrible thing to make the usual kind. Oh, no. Try to, yeah, but try to, you know, be willing to branch out somewhere along the line. Sure. Now, we've talked a little bit about um, going to a con, playing at a con, GMing at a con. Um, now, but you have a specific specialty in, in helping organize cons. So, so... I'm curious how how you could 
how, how you would advise people who are interested in helping organize cons and, and working at cons and all that kind of stuff uh, and what they what 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 is what is involved and how to do it and, and all that kind of stuff okay gosh that's a big question yeah. um. <laughs> I told you that's why I make the big dollars <laughs> exactly um, so let's see hey, can you break that down into like what was what would be the first part of that question? Well, let's let's start how with to, if how you to get involved. Or? Yeah, how do you get involved in, in helping out with a con? Um, I think probably most cons are really really happy to get people to help out, um, and I would look you know again look on the website um, for the names of contacts or just whatever the the general contact email is and say I'd love to help out. Uh, who should I talk to? So why would I want to help out with a con? What are my incentives for doing so? <laughs> I think there, um, you know, there's usually you know pluses uh, at each different con. I think they vary from con to con. So, you know, sometimes, um, you know, if you volunteer for a certain amount of time, you'll usually get free entry to the convention. Um, if you're really doing a ton, I think some of them help with rooms, but that's really a lot. I know. Um, you know, a lot of times there'll be, you know, free T-shirts or prizes or whatever. Um, I, I think, um, you know, really what I get out of it is, you know, I really like hanging out with the other people on the board. Um, it's nice when I go to other conventions, um, sort of having a, having an official reason to interact with people. Mm-hmm. So um, especially the first time I was going to other conventions by myself, um, it was nice to have that official role to say, oh, this is why I'm here. Um, this is this is why I, you know, I need to talk to you and give you a card and uh, right. encourage you to come to my convention. And mm-hmm. that sort of helped me with my, my shyness, I think. Um, yeah. And you guys, uh, talking about the friendships with other people on the board, you guys seem pretty uh, close in everything now. Mm-hmm. As an outsider looking at, in sort of thing. Well, a lot of the guys on the board, um, some of them grew up together, and they a lot of them have been on the um, board since it was founded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a bunch of them, you know, were already really close. Um, but, the, you know, as a new person, um, I just felt like they've been really good to me, too. So, um, but, yeah, it's a pretty tight-knit group, and it's nice to be a part of. Um, and as volunteering, you 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 know you just need a lot of people, mm-hmm. extra number of people there. I would say. So, if you're volunteering to help out with a con, what kind of things could you probably expect to be asked to do? Um. So as as a um, like a early person, you know, you're just beginning to volunteer. Yeah. Part of um, part of my problem is that we have, we've mostly just done. Um, folks on our board so it's a little different than at other cons mm-hmm. um but it, it looks like a lot of um what uh you know a first-time volunteer might um help staff a desk so you know they'd be there to um oh, either like uh be part of registration so to help register people who are coming to the con give them their materials um or you might staff an information desk in a certain area so you'd be sort of in charge of knowing um, you know, which GMs at which table and what games still have uh, openings, what games are going on. You'd just be, you know, there to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of, you know, what else I've seen for 
people volunteering. Dealing with Tracy when she comes and complains about that person who who smells bad? Yeah. Um, I would, I mean, for, for, for Carnage, I would want... Um, a more seasoned staff member to have to deal with problems. Okay. So um, the instructions that I would tend to give to, you know, somebody who is brand new would be, you know, call one of the one of the others of us to to come handle one that. One of the more experienced volunteers to come and help. Yeah, yeah. I don't really feel like a, a brand new person should have to deal with that, um, unless they're unless there's somebody who feels comfortable with it. You know, sometimes you can just sort of tell with the person. Sure. So hopefully they'd be able to do that, but. It would depend. I know. I was at a totally different con uh, in like Buffalo, and somebody did have to ask somebody to pull up their pants because they're mooning people without realizing it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It was good if you feel prepared to do that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was somebody pretty high up in the chain that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that took that on. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Now, it, it, and I think it's worth asking because we've talked – I mean we started off with talking about you know, uh, early on one of our topics was what do you do with, when somebody's not acting appropriate or whatever. How often does something like that actually come up? I don't feel like it comes up a lot. Um, like but... half a dozen times per con or – Honestly, I don't really know. Yeah. yeah maybe, um, do you guys have any experience with that? Um. I, I for some cons it wouldn't even be half a dozen times because yeah. like yeah the size of con obviously matters right yeah, yeah. And, and depends to um how or, or close knit the group is because like some cons are very small and most people really know each other uh, well they're almost mm-hmm. like friend cons yeah uh, that are open to the public rather than uh, mm-hmm. um like a Gen Con type of thing mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there are some that are medium sized that cover a large or and pretty decently large that cover a large area uh, where people might not know each other quite as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. of course there's the big cons, and it probably comes up more often, you know, at a at a Gen Con or at a PAX or at an Origins or something like that, right? That makes sense. Yeah, I haven't really had to deal with with much of the way of problems. Um, on site before, so I, I guess I just don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, I know definitely there's been a few stories um, with the guys where I think it was a long time ago. Now I think there was almost a fight once, and our security mm. guy had to uh, get that one to cool down. Mm. Um, we had a guy who threatened to fight another guy if he showed up, so we all had to be on the, oh, the lookout for that. <laughs> the other guy didn't show up though, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, so, yeah I, don't th- I don't think there's a lot of it. Okay, yeah, I just don't want to scare people off by thinking that if you go to go to a con, you're gonna you're gonna deal with this stuff a lot. You know, I, I've huh. I've been going to cons. Yeah. You know, in my adult life, I've been going to cons since 2008, and I've never run into an issue like that. Yeah, I'm no, probably I think more like rare. Yeah, I'm probably more likely to run into it at like a family get together than I am. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say that you're more likely to run into it because because you're a girl. But you forget how beautiful I am, so. <laughs> oh, man, we should do the manicures this year. The who? Oh, the manicures. That's right. <laughs> we keep saying. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, they're all good. The, Shelly and Bart are going to be there, though. That's true. We don't need them. That's true. <laughs> we can do it. We'll invite all Tome Show listeners to join us for manicures on, you know, Saturday night or something. <laughs> 
Hey, I need to be out of here. I'll go. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Are you going to be at Gen Con this year? Um, I'm not sure. All right. Um, just, I just started my own little business, and I need to make sure that's doing yes, well safe, enough. Yeah. So let me go. Sure. <laughs> awesome. Do you have any more questions, Chef? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. Do you have any, any last bits of, of wisdom that you want to impart on our future con-going audience? I, I did forget to say one thing, but it's not like a good like last thing to say, I guess. Oh, I'm sure it'll so. be brilliant. <laughs> but um, uh, just another thing as a player that can be really helpful in a in a role playing game, anyways, is um, when the characters, if there's pre pre generated characters, if they have some built in relationships to each other, mm. right. or ways that they tend to respond to certain of the other people in the group, so that can really help you get. Um, get into character fast yeah or at least yeah little little hooks that you can give them that that can tell them how to role play that character yeah you know yeah i've heard of some uh gms doing things like bob what did your character steal from steve and they like instantly do that sort of hooks and stuff like that cool well uh do you want to give people information about uh carnage con Oh, sure. Um, CarnageCon, um, our website is www.carnagecon.com. Um, and we usually take place in the first or second weekend of November in Killington, Vermont. Yay! All right. Yay. Very cool. Let's well, thanks. Our website. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you. And that's the end of the episode. We want to thank Christy Crab, Noble Knight Games, and all of you out there for supporting the show. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can call 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E for the biz line. And you can also see show notes and find other great Tome Show shows over at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 233, where we fooled the guards, snuck into the vault. Oh, wait, that's a totally different kind of con. But um, bum. I'm off the wall.